0: You are listening to Gifts of the Magi in 3, 2, 1, BOOM!
1: Hey everybody, thank you for hanging in there. We're really behind schedule, I promised, of Gifts of the Magi. uh, Since several guests bailed thanks to the joys of social media. And we all know what that means. But we're here, finally, our second episode to celebrate the 35th anniversary of my special guest here of when we were pathetic freshmen at Market University. I want to introduce you to Paul Silder. Hello, everyone. Hey, where are you talking to us from? I am talking to you
0: from the environs of Potomac, Maryland.
1: Ooh, Potomac. Is that, is that like a side order with my burger out east? it certainly seems like it sometimes
0: no we're just just in the in the dc suburbs here basically right nice lazy sunday morning aren't they all (laughs) they are now as as i'm basically and i'm sure we'll get into this uh, We're basically almost empty nesters so
1: yes that's right what are you gonna turn the kids rooms into uh one of well let's see uh
0: one of them has already been turned into an office the other one's going to be turned into an office. Uh, Jack is still living at home, but he's going to move downstairs in TJ's spot. Okay, so we'll have, certainly have the the whole upstairs to ourselves. So, and this all just happened. Uh, TJ moved out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two year old. Uh, so uh, we haven't figured everything out yet, but uh, just trying to enjoy a nice quiet weekend right now.
1: Okay. Well, as we go along in in the interview and everything, I, I suggest right now I think you should do like Jose did, except it'd be a, a sports shrine to Chicago in one of those rooms. Uh,
0: that's that's basically my office right now.
1: Okay. <laughs> if, if if Helen would allow it, so. Well,
0: that's why it's my office.
1: <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna rewind back to the beginning, or the positive beginning, I would say, of what this is. As I'm wearing my Marquette shirt, I've got my Marquette chucks. Those were custom made, even though the big yellow M looks like Michigan. But, And I found Marquette socks at the last minute when we went to Lucy in Disguise, which is the greatest costume store in Austin. But <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you, Paul. Tell, us, tell the audience at home, how did we meet? How did we go on to be good bosom buddies at Marquette?
0: You know, I want to say that uh, we were introduced by John Rossman, who was my freshman year roommate, and I believe that you guys met uh, working the in the cafeteria at McCormick, at, at the uh, the the late the late and great uh, McCormick Hall, I believe. Um, and that, I mean, that's I I want to say we met you know one time during dinner after dinner or something like that, and uh, I remember you saying that uh, your roommate was uh, your initial roommate was. Kind of off center a little bit. Not that not, I mean, not that I'm not, but we became fast friends.
1: Okay. I, I wanna add an addendum to it. My my first roommate, he was okay. He was just very generic. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, you know, he's an okay guy. He just wasn't very exciting, uh or like you were. Uh but I would say I think uh well I actually I met Rossman through logic class with Gail Duffy and Pam Panetti. Okay. But, okay, But I think, I could have sworn we met when we all went out and uh, he ditched both of us because we were terrible wingmen. So. I
0: don't I don't remember that part. Um, like, I just remember, like I said, meeting after, it was somewhere in the cafeteria, it was somewhere downstairs at McCormick Hall we met. I, that's, that's my first recollection of you.
1: Okay, I could have sworn we met when we were heading out to the bars trying to get in underage because, for the audience at home, Wisconsin had just raised the drinking age and we could eke in as 19, uh, with the grandfather clause, but I could have sworn Rossman brought us both along to ditch us together. And, uh, cause, uh, in terms of wingmen, we were terrible wingmen for his plans. <laughs> and maybe it turned out that, uh, that the attractive young lady wanting to meet Rossman had to bring a wingman to get rid of us. So, <laughs> John John had some
0: interesting instru- interesting plans back in those days. So
1: <laughs> I have to admit, I, I have to give him an award that picking up women with Bob Dylan lines is uh, an incredible feat.
0: <laughs> well, in 1986, might have been the last year to be able to do that. So. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> I, I think the traveling Wilburys put an end to it. <laughs> so yeah, we met, we became fast friends, and then I became your neighbor because everybody loved your room because everybody remembers your room number. It was Marquette's season. Yeah, it was
0: 10. 19, that's right. And you were in 1019 next door with Pee Wee.
1: That's right. And the then, second
0: semester, you, you moved in right after right as second semester started, right? I uh, think.
1: Before Christmas, yeah. Oh,
0: okay, okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Because he had a roommate that kept going home all the time. So, and then he he made sure he's like, "You want to be roommates with me, right? It's not because of Rossman and, and Paul next door, right? Oh, oh no, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm good with you."
0: Yeah, Pee Wee's another interesting case. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Good guy, you know, I mean, I, I, they're all good guys, you know, and it, it, You know, I, I, I'm still active enough on Facebook, though I don't go on there a whole lot lately, you know, just the, the political stuff is just a little bit too much for me, um, but actually I actually have reconnected with a bunch of guys um, like Rick Mock and uh, oh God, Greg Mauer. Rick
1: Mauer, yeah, so
0: uh, Pat Butler, so mm-hmm. they're all good guys, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we're all 18, 19 years old, all kind of idiots in our own way uh but you know all good guys it's, it's good to see everyone you know doing well succeeding i actually just saw that uh i think mark dylan gets a credit in the new um what is it a tina it's not tina Turner. it's a aretha franklin movie i think really? i think he worked on the franklin movie yeah I, I believe he's in the credits at the end doing what uh some sort of sound or music i think Oh, okay i want to say i'll I to take a look at his uh, facebook page page again but
1: yeah, yeah. i noticed that's pretty cool well what we remember of him it would be like and the guy who enjoys the sound of his own voice, Mark Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I saw him in the alumni thing in the last ten years or whatever that he got something or whatever. But it's it's always great. I feel bad. We're at that age now where you go to the back to find out who's dead.
0: Oh yeah, no yeah, it, it's it's definitely gotten there. We're we're definitely in the obit uh,
1: uh, bit time of our
0: of the autumn of our lives.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, I wish that person weren't dead. They weren't that awful. Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, tell us, tell us, tell the audience at home more about our fun at Marquette. Some of our favorite pranks, our highlights. I'll, I'll get to one later, but tell, tell us some more of the, your favorites.
0: Boy, um, you know, I mean, I, I think the, the, the most famous one is probably the, uh, the Kermit, uh, bomb threats.
1: Which would get uh, us in prison now. <laughs> Yes, what's that? We'd be in prison for them now. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably couldn't do that these days, but uh, there is a bomb in your room. Tick, tick, tick. Boom. Calling <laughs> uh, just random numbers. I, mean, I think it was all within uh, McCormick as well. Just just having fun and screwing around with guys. Yes. Um, but, you know, there was definitely that. There was... Uh, Gosh, all the uh, all the card games we used to end up playing when we'd sneak beer uh, in the room. Well, my mom and dad would bring up a couple of cases of beer. Yes. Along with frozen pizzas, uh, dual cola,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, 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 frozen crackers ham.
1: Uh, so we could all have ham sandwiches. Let me throw in another couple of favorites I remember. Little Debbie Star Crunches. Oh, hell yes. Baloney. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which Helen had never really had. We're like, well, welcome to the middle class. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and, and just, you know,
0: just kind of regular, you know, collegiate type stuff. Uh, boy, there was the, uh, uh, one of the famous ones I almost hate to, to bring up, but, uh, uh, in Doc Watson's class, uh, mm-hmm. that one, uh, gosh, we were in the basement. What was that? Was, that Schrader Hall? Yeah, was Schrader it Schrader?
1: Oh, Schrader was chemistry. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, and, uh, that was a Thursday morning and I had had a couple, I had two bowls of real chili the night before. Ooh, And, uh, <laughs> it was, and Helen and myself all sitting in the back of class and you get this, just this most disgusted look on your face and start looking around and looking around because someone is busting ass. And it, it is really, it is absolutely nasty, stink bad. And you're looking around and you're looking around and, Everyone's just kind of watching Doc Watson. He's going along, teaching his class, and then you look at me and you see one little bead of sweat coming down from my brow. Like God damn it, Paul is that you? <laughs> shut up! Shut up!
1: <laughs> and there was that attractive girl, a couple rows in front. She finally turned around and gave us like the the standard Kristen Stewart face. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah, that,
0: that's definitely a yeah, that's definitely another one.
1: um yeah. David Letterman was popular, so I remember freshman year, there was a lot of throwing shit out of the 10-story windows. Oh,
0: yeah, oh, and, and uh, gosh, I cannot remember the one, you remember the one guy, oh, I can't remember his name. He lived down by, uh, further down the end of the hall, near the elevators, down by Slats and Augie. Who had a? Uh, I think a bottle of Jim, an empty bottle of Jim Beam. And I bet I could hit the car. I bet I could hit this car, that car in the parking lot with that.
1: I was and, in the room next door. Yes.
0: Yes, and I ended up cracking the my window that night
1: on a Friday night. <laughs>
0: on a Friday night, yeah.
1: No maintenance till Monday.
0: <laughs> that was awfully, awfully. Oh, cool. luckily we had. Uh, luckily we had um, taped up the window. I think it's. What is it? Uh, I think it said Cub Fan, Bud Man, or something like that. I think. Yeah. Uh, like Harry Carey, and so luckily the window didn't sh- shatter. You know, it broke, but it didn't shatter, which was lucky for yeah. us. But I think uh, I think I ended up sleeping in there anyway. I think Ross went to go sleep with the uh, shower or someone shower or a thinks- girlfriend
1: he had at the time he was stringing along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was probably Kim. I think wouldn't you think at no, that time? No, it was after Kim because it happened it? during January when we were back. Oh. I was next door. I was already living next door. I just all I heard was like thump 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 shattering noise. <laughs> Right,
0: <laughs> but so, so what are some of your? Uh, what, what are your some of your good times that you remember?
1: The best one I would have to say is how great of friends we became and how we could like read each other's minds. Would be the golf party. Now, do you want to explain to the audience at home what a golf party is? Uh, let me see if I can
0: remember this. So we were. It was we, we were shooter. Just...
1: We were juniors starting at <laughs> Junior. Shuda. Um, and that, so then that was our. Junior year, and there was that obnoxious guy Phil who said, "Hey, what kind of drink do you want to do for the golf party?" And that was our first full year living together because we only lived yes. together semester sophomore year at Tower. Correct.
0: the yes. first full year moving together, and yeah, so so we were near the end of the hall. Masuda, of course, was the you know the "quote unquote" famous dorm at Marquette for because the, for being a uh, a Holiday Inn. Uh, in the late 60s when the Beatles stayed there
1: that's correct that's the Beatles stayed in the master suite which was the hall director's room down the down the hall from us oh
0: really okay then I don't know I, 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 I pretend it was that floor
1: it was that floor. yeah the hall director got that room and of course we wanted to be on that floor because it was the only co co-ed, co-ed floor in the entire university so of course yeah. we kept making the David Letterman joke of hey ladies I'm not wearing pants which also oh, you- puts us on the Me Too list, but we could follow it up now to get out of trouble by saying, I'm wearing a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another story uh, from that Marquette that is still a great story from
0: from your and I, from, from our past. Yes. But... Um, but- but that, so anyway, the golf party um we had just moved in down the hall from us. We didn't really know any of our
1: roommates. I don't think nope, we didn't know anybody except other than I was warning you that Phil guy was that guy I wanted to strangle in theology class last year
0: that's right I, rem- I remember that you you knew him, so he came I guess knocking on our door and said, want to have like a like a first weekend party uh and you want to have a a golf party right uh that being like every every room would be a hole." and every hole would have different drinks. Right, every hole, Every hole room is a watering hole, yep. And what did we, didn't, just to shut him up, I want to say that we said that we would do, was it like some sort of Italian
1: flag or the something? The Irish flag, actually, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, and then I want to say that Saturday night came around, and we just grabbed like a couple of cases of beer mm-hmm. uh, and said, Oh, we wouldn't open the door and he kept on pounding and knocking on our door. What's up, with you guys? What are you guys doing? I thought you guys were partying in the party.
1: Nope. We did one better. It was a Friday night. Okay. We wound up blowing it off because the drink was expensive because it requires three layers of very right. thick liquor to make the flag. We went and to, I, 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 and I, I, Helen I, 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 had a house then, and we went it, to Helen's place to have spaghetti dinner with her and her housemates. Okay. And then we came back. We, we made it an early Friday night for some reason. We came back at like 11 midnight, which is early for college students. And Kathy is nodding in agreement for that. And he shows up at our door drunk. And we're like, oh, no, confrontation. And he's like, where are you guys? Where are you at? What are you doing? And, well, you promised. And I took the lead. And I said, uh, we went to a friend's place to have spaghetti. And they served wine. And then we proceeded to get Drunk, and you took the cue right away, and you start getting all off balance, like oh, I can't stand up. <laughs> you picked up on that cue, and we're like slurring, and we just go into our room and close the door, and we were just laughing our faces off, and just <laughs> called it a night, and had a couple of beers, and went to bed, and we were like, "What a chump!" That's <laughs> that's what we did to him. But we wound up being great friends with Phil later on, as we found out. And, and- Jose, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I found out he was Jose's roommate, <laughs> so there was no escaping this guy. But we found out to learn that he's an okay guy, even though he still claims to be eccentric and so on and so forth. And I wish him well. He's a last I've heard is uh, Nelson's the only person who has some contact with him and he's gone on to become a scuba instructor. Yeah,
0: yeah, he got remarried uh, and I think he's doing some scuba instruction. I'm not sure where exactly.
1: Uh, I think he goes back and forth between the Philippines and I, I just can't see uh, scuba diving in Lake Michigan being that exciting. No.
0: I want to say his wife may be Filipino as well. I mean, she may... no, no, his wife
1: is from the Philippines, yes. Yeah, okay. that's what I thought, yeah. Because, I mean, other than maybe leftover practice equipment from World War II and dead mobsters, I just don't know what else you're going to find in Lake Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's pull back about Marquette. Let's go back to the beginning. Tell us more about Paul. Because I know you're the only real Chicagoan I know You're a Southsider on top of that So the Saturday Night Live skit is not, not comedy that's a, that's a documentary for you And in oh. many ways you're a real Chicagoan too In that you're not that tidied up, digestible For the rest of America John Hughes image everybody made So tell us about the Silder years Well first of all
0: you're saying it wrong It's side S-O-U-T There's oh. no H okay. It's Southside, I'm a Southsider uh, but, uh, and as anyone knows about Chicago and me and baseball, Southsiders are usually White Sox fans, but my parents uh, raised me correctly. Uh, and I'm a Cub fan. Uh, my mother used to tell me that, uh, when I was little, uh, she couldn't get any work done because I would just, you know, I would never let her get any work done. Uh, and the only way she could do so was if she sat me in front of the TV and baseball was on. Cubs were on every afternoon and hence I became a Cub fan. So yeah, uh, I grew up on the South side of Chicago, actually in a little town called Burbank. Uh, which is butted up right against the city. Um, I want to say the uh, uh, my memories growing up uh, consisted mostly of sunny days uh, and smelling Tootsie Rolls because the uh, Tootsie Roll factory is only about a mile from where I grew up.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Oh yeah, 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 and I think it's the only place where they made Tootsie Rolls, and I still have an affinity for them, or or, or at least <laughs> at least smelling them now. Yeah, don't you know? I know that sounds a bit strange, uh, but it, it reminds me of being a kid growing up. Um, so yeah, I, you know, uh, uh, you know, born and raised on the South side, my, uh, my parents, it was kind of one of those deals where they grew up, I want to say within like five or six blocks of each other, uh, and didn't meet until, in the, until, until they were in their twenties, uh, you know, very dense neighborhood, very dense Polish neighborhood in Chicago, uh, St. Pancratius was their, was their church. So, you know, like I said, I, I was born and raised, uh, right outside the city. Uh, after college, uh, when my future wife, uh, moved to Chicago, Helen, you know, we got married and I ended up living in the city for about two years or so. Um, and, and, and I am pretty much a die in the wool Chicago and I love my Cubs, love my bears, uh, love my Blackhawks basketball. Yeah, I love the Bulls. I certainly love the Jordan era, uh, Jordan era Bulls. That was, uh, he's by far my favorite, uh, athlete I ever covered as a, as a sports reporter. And I uh, actually got the interview on one Saturday night and thought I thought I was going to create an international incident for a moment. Uh, it was me. And, and if anyone uh, still listens to Chicago sports radio, uh, they know the name Les Grabstein. Uh Les has been around forever. So this is a Saturday night uh, at the old Chicago stadium, you know, kind of walking around the rats. And if anyone knows anything about uh, newspaper business, Saturday night's always an early deadline. Sunday paper has got to get out early. It's the big paper. So most of the writers from the Tribune and sometimes were just kind of hacking away uh, in their stories. And you and you, you would get um, quote sheets. Uh, whatever the players said in post-game interviews, they would just hand you a sheet of what they say. And you guys are just taking care of those, filing multiple stories. You know, the AP guy has got to file everything every 15 minutes or something like that. So I'm down there, and it's me and Les Grobstein, And Jordan comes out, and he's sitting at his locker. They had played Sacramento at the time. Sacramento was terrible. I want to say the year before uh sacramento had one was one like one win and 40 losses on the road and this was a post christmas game the, the, a couple of days after christmas the bulls had played on christmas night i think against the knicks and they were just sloppy they were, they, the bulls ended up winning by eight or nine points but it was a real sloppy effort and i'm sitting there with Les Grobstein, and and, and jordan sits down and Les looks at me and says you're a newspaper guy you need to go first go ahead and ask a question and i look right at michael jordan right in the eye and i say what was wrong with you tonight? He says, you mean me personally or the team? Ouch. And for one moment, I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to smack me. This is going to be all, you know, this is going to be in papers in Syria tomorrow, you know, because uh, he's going to he's gonna bitch slap me and something crazy is going to happen. And I said, oh, almost, Mr. Jordan, I, I mean a team. I, sir, I, I, did, I didn't mean you. And it went on, you know, positively and everything else. But, uh, yeah, that was my one moment of uh, my, my brush with almost infamy. Uh, I'm get bitch slapped by uh, Michael Jordan.
1: <laughs> well, at least you didn't bring up his gambling. No, this
0: is true, but, uh, but that, that, that was still early. That was a little. That was probably that was the year. It was probably ninety two. So that was probably the year before all the big gambling uh, allegations broke. Uh, when they were playing the Knicks in the playoffs for one year in ninety three, and then you know after all the stuff, when his father got murdered and
1: stuff. So well, but also I remember. Part of the story began to break when a homeless dude got hit by a car, and they found betting slips on his cor- on his corpse. That I don't had remember Jordan that. involved, and in. he went right away to say it's not like Pete Rose.
0: But yeah, you know, yeah, and, and there, you know there are great stories about him losing you know thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars on the on the golf course to guys.
1: I think a couple of guys wrote books about that. So yeah, well, Michael, remember, hit the ball when Abraham Lincoln is closing his legs, not opening. <laughs> okay, so let's well, let's dial back more a little bit more like high school. Tell us about school, high school, the whole uh, south side South Side Chicago thing.
0: Um, so uh, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Uh, I went to Saint Albert the Great uh, Grammar School uh, until eighth grade. Then I went to Saint Lawrence High School. Uh, go Vikings! Um, at, uh, let's see, my senior year, uh, when I when to graduate in '86. Uh, well, I was the, uh, I was in band. I was an all state trumpet player, uh, in marching band. And I was also the editor of the newspaper, my junior and senior year. And I don't want to say that, uh, St. Lawrence's claim. The fame back in those days was, um, we had my se- of my senior class. We had, I want to say eight guys recruited by Lou Holtz at Notre Dame. Uh, and two of those guys ended up, a lot of them ended up going somewhere else for what, cause they're kind of idiots, um, but two of guys actually did end up playing at, uh, at Notre Dame, won a championship with them in 89 and both played. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, that, that was kind of our, our claim to fame back in the day.
1: Okay. Well, I lost you the other day. They both went on to play for whom? Uh, professionally. Oh, okay. At, at NFL football. Okay. So two guys from my senior class, which is kind of me. So that's how you got bit by the journalism bug, right? You know, when I was. I want to say I was a freshman, and I was just kind of looking for things
0: to do. And and I I never minded writing. I kind of liked it. And I just went and, uh, you know, applied to be at the school paper. And I want to say, gosh, I can't remember what my first assignment was. It was something like writing about freshman soccer or something like that. And they said, oh, you know, this is pretty good. So, you know, I just kept on doing that more and more and more. But my real break, um, and this is kind of what got me, directed in the journalism. You know, I I enjoyed doing it. I thought I was a fairly good writer. Um, And then beginning of senior year, uh, the Daily Southtown Economist, which at the time was the third largest daily in Chicago above the Chicago Defender, uh, because the Chicago Defender, I think, was actually published in the suburbs. So technically we were published in Chicago, Chicago's third largest daily. That's what I'm sticking with. But uh, the sports editor, the high school sports editor, called around to different local high schools and wanted to know if anyone would be interested in stringing, um, you know, making like 15, 10 or 15 bucks, uh, an article covering high school sports, you know, f- football, basketball, so on and so forth. Um, I, I answered the ad or, ad, or answered the request, uh, spoke to the gentleman, uh, Tony Voranek, who is still, who I still count as a friend of mine and mentor friends with him on Facebook still, he's still the, uh, the editor at the, uh, I'm not sure what it's called right now. It was eaten up by the Sun-Times and then the Tribune. Uh, so there's like a Southland edition of the Tribune that he's a sports editor for. Um, but he brought me on, and, and, and I really enjoyed it. I, I remember my, my first assignment was a Friday night. It was Stag High School versus Joliet West. And I couldn't believe that, that my name was in the paper the next day as a byline. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Wow. So I kept on doing that. Uh, I did that all my senior year. Uh, I did that when I was... You know came home uh, from college from Marquette uh, in the summertime and during breaks uh, to make a few extra bucks. And it's you know I, I ended up doing that for about 10 years or so. I had a lot of great assignments. Uh, I covered all the I was in charge of all the uh, uh, prep soccer coverage, boys and girls on the south side for about 50, 60 schools. Uh, that was a lot of fun. As I stayed on there, I got to do uh, some fun assignments. I got to cover the bulls, I think three or four times. Covered the Cubs a couple times, White Sox once, uh, game one of the 1992 NHL Campbell conference finals, uh, Blackhawks versus, uh, Edmonton, which is the loudest I'd ever heard the old Chicago stadium. It was so, I was sitting in the press box. It was so loud. People were cheering during the anthem that the bell on the phone was actually ringing. It was so loud. It, it was causing so much, you know, disturbing so many, so much, uh, noise that the bell on the phone was ringing. Wow. Uh, and then the last couple of years, I also did, uh, uh, if you remember, the CBA uh, basketball, minor league basketball, the Chicago Rockers for a year. And the uh, the first, the inaugural and
1: second year of the Chicago Wolves. I remember uh, we, we were, it, I was at your house to hear you on the radio with Helen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I got to be on the radio a couple of times. That was a lot of fun. Uh,
0: so, yeah, I love that. And it's, you know... It, I look back and I wonder if I maybe would have stuck it out a little longer. The the issue with the South Town is that there were, we had a lot of young guys that were just in front of me that had uh, gotten full-time jobs. You know, right. people that were maybe three or four years, a couple of guys actually from Burbank uh, that went to the other high school in Burbank, Rebs High School, uh, Kelly Quain and uh, and Mike Deacon. I'm also friends with Mike still. Um, and those, you know, they, they were really young, And they just hired on and it didn't look like there was any kind of, you know, future prospects there. And this was right before sports radio really broke. Um, And then there was that synergy, you know, between so many newspaper guys and radio guys. Um, And I, you know, sometimes I wonder had I stuck it out uh, would I still be doing it. Um, I don't know. It's some great stories now. I love looking back at it. It's always great to tell my kids about it. When they were young about, you know, dad covering sports, just how cool it was. Um, plus, you know, and, and, and God bless my old man. God rest his soul. Uh, you know, he said, eh, sports will never get me anywhere. So well, for 10 years, at least it got, me, it got me kind of a living, which was a lot of fun. You know, we graduated Marquette in 90. Uh, Helen and I got married in 93. At some point, I, I started to think, you know, it'd be nice to have, to have things in life. Things like food, things like a house, things like a family. Um, and it just wasn't getting the bills paid enough. So Helen's sister, uh, as a graphic designer, uh, out and uh, was out here, uh, you know, in the Baltimore, DC area. Uh, she knew a a woman who was looking for a media buyer. I don't know anything about media buying, um, but it, so her sister kind of talked me into getting a job interview. My job interview consisted of um, me coming out here for a week. She paid me, gave me six hundred bucks, said she would. Uh, of seeing if I could do the job. And I got there the first day and I got on a computer and had no idea what to do. I I, I had no computer skills whatsoever. Uh, Even with the newspaper, I would go and, you know, write on their little terminals, whatever they were. It was all kind of a closed system. This was before, you know, PCs and Macs and everything else were big. And I completely, I completely screwed it up. Completely screwed it up. But she said she would pay me. She did. Uh, So what I did is I came home. I took that 600 bucks, bought myself a Mac, learn how to do it, prove to her that I could do it. And uh, so I came out here, I don't know what time it was, probably July or August or something like that. By October, I was moving back out there with a job because I proved her I could do it. So yeah, yeah I got myself at Mac. I want to say that I, uh, I talked to a good friend of mine about how to do a few computer things on a Mac. That might be you, Steve.
1: Um, I, I and, fear it would be. <laughs>
0: and that's kind of how I got started in, uh, you know, kind of transitioning from journalism to communications in general.
1: Sure. But let's let's delve back a little bit again of like, so you do, you got bit by the bug freshman year in high school, you're doing it, you're a stringer, which in English for other people, that's a freelancer paid by the job type of deal. Uh, but why Marquette? Why not say Northwestern or Roger Ebert's alma mater, U of I, which produced him, you know, the the, the other competitors in journalism schools, or of course, I'm, I'm sure you and I, being poor people, Columbia out in New York is out of the question.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's it was for me. It was between uh, I got accepted to University of Indiana.
1: I went uh, in Terre Haute. No, that's, no, no, that's that, state, wait, Bloomington.
0: And then I also got accepted at the you know everyone's favorite fallback school, uh, Northern
1: Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know I remember. Don't forget UCLA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, you know, I remember really.
0: uh, I remember pretty well. My father and I went to a college fair at uh, Ford City, uh, which was a local mall. It was actually in Chicago. Ford City was actually uh, where they built a lot of uh, uh, airplane engines uh, for World War II. And if anyone ever remembers the old old movie Tucker, uh, tuckers were actually produced at that plant before it became a Ford plant. Uh, for the uh, for the war effort, and then eventually became a mall. Anyway, that's a long aside. But they had a, a college night at uh, the, at uh, Fort City. My father and I went, and we were just kind of looking back and forth. And for some reason, I kind of settled on Indiana, or my dad seemed to like Indiana for some reason. I think the guy sort of you know talked to man and brought me over there and everything. And I talked to him. and uh, it was funny. Uh, you know how how silly you are sometimes when you're young. Um, it said Indiana University. And I'm like, well, isn't the big one University of Indiana? This must be a smaller one or something. Like that. Yeah. Um, so that, that was in my mind. And then um, Marquette, there was a guy there from Marquette. And like I said, my dad really, I think my mom and dad really liked Indiana. Uh, I figured I wanted to go for journalism because like I said, I was doing that, you know, uh, I, I was enjoying, I was, you know, I, I had some success with it in high school and that was actually right before I became a stringer uh, for the newspapers, So, but, you know, and I remember talking to my guy from our I'm like, and, and I sort of remembered in my head being a huge sports fan. Well, I remember they won the uh, NCAA a couple of years ago. Hard to believe that uh, back at the day, it was only a couple of years ago, back in 85, eight years. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I also liked the fact that it was in a city, you know, I, I actually never did go down and visit Indiana. Um, had I gone, maybe I would have thought differently about it, but, I didn't like the fact that it was like four hours away and I didn't like that it was in the middle of nowhere, you know, and I went up to Milwaukee. I liked that. Uh, I liked that. It was, you know, not only in the city, but that was downtown or, or awfully close to downtown. Um, and I just thought that would fit me better. I also like the smaller class sizes too. Not sure that my parents necessarily liked the bills, uh, you know, Indiana as compared to, uh, to marquette well did, did, did indiana uh,
1: have a reciprocating agreement like Ele- with illinois like uh when i finished in north dakota you could go to minnesota schools for almost the price of a minnesota citizen
0: you know i, I it was so long ago i can't remember i couldn't tell you back
1: I, I know they i know they do that
0: now here for in university of maryland for some other schools as well especially if you don't, if they don't have like the uh same program and you can find it somewhere else you can get prices
1: Okay, well, but the thing is, you did make it up to your parents. Your grades were stellar, and I remember you were on the dean's list at least five times out of eight semesters. Yeah, that
0: right? uh, five out of eight. It's You know, it's funny. High school was great. And I enjoyed it, um, and I got decent grades. I got over like a B average or so, but by the time I got to college, I'm like, holy cow, this is like really for me. This is all for me. This is, you know, uh, you know everyone expects you to, to get out of high school, and it is what it is. But now I kind of realize, you know, this is my life and, and I, you know, I really need to kick it into gear. So, yeah, I certainly concentrate on my studies a lot. Um, and I think the smartest thing I ever did really was take a couple of summer classes uh, for credit at the local community college, uh, Maureen Valley, you know, near my house in Chicago. Because by the time I was a senior, I, I got to take 12 credit hours both uh, semesters and I had Fridays off. It was great.
1: Yeah. And uh, besides that, you also earned, I believe, the Pulaski scholarship. I I remember there's something around General Pulaski. For the the folks at home, General Pulaski was a Polish general who helped out in the Revolutionary War, and he's somewhat of a secular saint in South Chicago.
0: Well, and don't forget the story behind uh, the reason why Pulaski is, is one year old man Daly, the original Daly, needed to...
1: (laughs) The American pharaoh, as he's known.
0: Needed to win his election, and uh, one of the reasons, or one of the ways he wanted to do that to court the Southside Polish vote was to change the name of Crawford Avenue to Pulaski Avenue, Pulaski Road. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the story behind Pulaski uh, Road in Chicago in terms of uh, Mayor Ah,
1: uh, So you went to Marquette. After Marquette, yeah, I remember you worked, jobs. You were the first in our clique to get married. That was amazing. I have to admit, it was the greatest wedding I've ever seen in that the uh in uh, catholicism there's kind of a halftime in the mass and at the halftime for your wedding they we had the update on the bears losing sadly that day <laughs> but... oh that was a
0: that was a great sunday morning i went out uh played 9 holes of golf uh and then got ready just sitting drinking a ton of beer in my room it was awesome the only thing killing that stunk is that the bears lost
1: yeah, I, I don't know why the priest had to I'm sure there was a good number of people in the pews with like a walkman in one ear to make sure. <laughs> well,
0: the thing that the the story, the real story is, I was a few minutes late to the church because I watched the end watching the Bears game.
1: Ah, that's good. So, other than journalism, I also remember you have a minor in philosophy. Why? Why the philosophy part? <laughs> well, the, the the easy
0: answer to that is uh, is the fact that you needed. I want to say like three classes, uh, in philosophy in order to graduate, uh, in order to graduate uh, with a journalism degree.
1: 12, and I Twelve minor. hours is what we were required for in communication. Okay. 12. Yeah.
0: And I want, I want to say that I only needed to take two more, two more classes for it to become my minor. Um, and I, I, I kind of thought it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed philosophy of God, uh, waking Jose up every time he was called on. That was a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) you know, uh, so yeah, I, I, I I thought it was fun and interesting. It was funny as I, as every now and again, I'll still kind of go back and think about some of these philosophers. I, I think it actually ended up being a very good minor for me personally, just because I get inside my own head so much. So it's interesting to, you know, do minor league diagnosis on myself.
1: I bet it must be fun to be able to call bullshit on people on Twitter when they start talking about Sartre or Nietzsche.
0: Unfortunately, no, no one no one cares about that anymore. That's Same true. Or, or at least the people that uh, are trying to uh, cite those philosophers for their own reason. Yeah. So
1: the only one I can defend is Marx because I took a dedicated class on that. And contrary to my grandparents, I am not a jumping up and down Marxist when it's like Marx the man versus what followed is always different than what follows everybody else. Mm. So. Well, that's pretty awesome. And all that. Now, let's let's go back to the closer to the past of like everybody knows. I moved around a lot, so for me, like, oh, we're moving from Chicago to Baltimore. Oh, okay, what's new? The experience for me is totally alien. For you, I mean, you've spent 27, 28 years of your life really tied to this iconic part of America. What was it like to just finally just go? Wow, I'm I'm going to move to another planet.
0: That was hard. I know it was real hard for my parents. I think it was real hard for my mom. I mean, it certainly helped that Helen was from out here. You know, the one nice thing, and the one thing I love, I think more than anything else, is when we moved out here initially, you know, her mother is lives next door to us right now, you know, in D.C. suburbs. Um, but we lived up north of Baltimore. We were about an hour away from our current uh, living situation. And the nicest thing about that was for... Three years uh three three and a half years before we moved down here before t j was born we had all that time to ourselves we didn't have any family commitments we didn't know anyone we could do whatever we wanted it was it was total and complete freedom you know we'd come down here and visit for a weekend or we could go and we'd go hiking or we'd go biking you know we could do whatever we wanted and that helped because it really really was hard the you know and, and I know you've lived a lot of different places mod so you can you can probably say this better than me but You know, I know you lived on the in in the Midwest. I know you lived on the East Coast. I know you know the differences. Um, It took me a long, long time to get used to the the pace of the East Coast, uh, the general rudeness of the East Coast. Um, You know, I I still love going back to Chicago now because it's naturally slower and the people are naturally nicer. You know, it's just a really nice, uh, you know, kind of break from from the from the everyday routine. You know, out here is everything is for seafood and, and you know me. If it oinks, clucks, or moos, I'll eat it. Uh if it swims because that's its nature, I'm not gonna do it. You know, cow falls in a river, he might try to swim to save himself, that's fine. I got no problem with that. I ain't eat no damn fish. So I mean that's just you know, that, that was kind of a uh a real adjustment for me. How do you, you get know, through lent? <laughs> cheese pizza and bean
1: burritos. <laughs> If only there were Taco Bell where I was growing up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it's funny as I even got my boys hooked on the uh, on the Friday uh, 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 bean burritos from Taco Bell, even. But it was really hard, you know. And it's you know to go from a place where you have family and friends and and you know you feel you know I, I guess that's kind of the flip side of us moving out here and not having having any commitments, you know. Um, it's it, it was just <clears throat> completely different, you know. And then we and then so. The story is, uh, you know, we wanted to ha- start having kids, and, and and Helen got pregnant. We started looking for uh, homes in the Baltimore area, and this got to Helen's sister, her older sister, the one that uh, is in graphic design, that actually you know, ended up getting me into the communications, uh, advertising, PR, marketing business. And she was living in the house that we were living in now, and her and her husband were um, at the time. I, I think they were, you know, going through some some things. Uh, They had two young daughters and everything. And I think they figured that getting away from kind of the family bubble uh, in this, you know, in in these two houses would help them. So they ended up buying a new place and this house was open. So we moved down here. Um, And then we've been down here now for 22 and a half years. But, you know, the funny thing is, and I think I mentioned this before, my eldest son, TJ Thomas John, uh, just moved out on Friday. He moved out to Louisa, Virginia.
1: Which is near Charlottesville? Oh, isn't that where the Nazis marched with the tiki torches? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A- ask him to punch one for me.
0: His uh, his uh, girlfriend actually is a certified nursing assistant at the University of Virginia Hospital in Charlottesville. Um. So, but but I mean, you know, and I know this is Helen's home and everything else, but it, it just I have never, I can't complain about the area because it helped raise my children, you know, I I was married, helped raise my children, helped my career get going really, you know, in in a very positive direction. Uh, But I just never loved it here. Never liked it. It's just, it's not, it's more that it's not, it's not just that it's not Chicago. I just don't like it. I don't like it very much. TJ never liked it very much. I'm not surprised he moved out, you know, first chance he got. Um, You know, I I don't think we want to stay here. We keep on talking about where we might, might want to move when we retire. And my only, uh, the only stipulation for me, it has to be near minor league baseball, so I can volunteer as an old man at minor league baseball games and go see baseball free.
1: Okay. Well, as for like uh, your your mother in law is your neighbor, so it's like all in the family. Did she make? Is there something in the lease where she gets to come over and call you meathead? <laughs> I mean, it no. works out too because you're Polish.
0: Well, she wouldn't. Uh, but she would not do that because I make her steaks perfectly.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: long as you make Alex, Alice's steaks perfect, you're golden. Okay. And I learned, and 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 let me tell you, the the key for her is you uh, uh, you make sure you sear it on both sides for two minutes, then stick it up on that uh, on that top grill for about the for about fifteen minutes. That thing looks like it's still ready to move by the time it gets out, but she's happy. So All right.
1: Well, I got, I got, a, I got a, a what if question for you, though. What if uh, you know? What if the alternative was you and Helen had to pick up and move, and let's say a completely different different city, neither of you were familiar with? Would you go for it? Let's say let's say something not too alien. Let's say Minneapolis. Uh, uh, I- in, in terms of a, uh, like a, a metropolitan city or just a different area? Well, I mean, I mean, I know Helen was on board with like, hey, I'm going back home and everything. But what if it were like, would the two of you like pick up and say, oh, we got an, an opportunity to go to Houston or we got, we're going to go to Phoenix or we're going to go to Denver? You know, it's for us, it's really the first shoe that, that uh, I'm trying to put this in a nice way. I don't want to say shoe dropping. That, no, uh, it's okay because this, this, is an R-rated, yeah, Helen, this is an R-rated podcast.
0: Well, I mean, Helen's mom is, you know, lives next door to us. She was, let's see, she was born in 39. So she's what, 81, 82? I can't do math. You, know, you didn't say there would be math on this podcast. 82. Okay, thank you. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, she's getting older and slowing down. Uh, and she relies on us for a lot of stuff. She actually relied on TJ for a lot of stuff, especially during the pandemic. Uh, you know, like <clears throat> taking her car out, going shopping and stuff like that. Take a job anywhere else until everything with her mom is settled. Yeah. Uh, you know, because her, her her other sister now lives in Florida. Uh, and her younger sister, Susan, lives about 45 minutes away. So, you know, it's kind of up to us to, to keep an eye on her and take care of her. So, you know, but after that, I mean, I think definitely anything's on the table. I don't think we want to move where it's cold necessarily. I don't, as much as I love Chicago, I don't think I want to go back. Um, I don't have to shovel when I get old. <laughs> I already have a bad back.
1: Well, but, if uh, you want minor league baseball, uh as much as I complain about california uh i will uh, I will take the blame with evil Mopak in inviting you to Austin. We do have a triple a team who is associated with i can't remember they go back and forth the round Rock express goes back and forth between the Rangers and the Astros, but they're both in the American League, so what does it matter
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah that well I mean
0: you know we've we've looked you know we've talked maybe about uh, maybe somewhere in, in North Carolina maybe South Carolina maybe a little bit worried about moving down there just because of you know, as as much as I like it and I like, love the food down there and the people are super nice. Uh, the political climate in this country is changing and I'm not sure if we want to be, uh, in the deep South. Um, to put it nicely.
1: Well, yeah. it was like a... What's that? I think you like Austin better because Texas is not completely deep South. We're also Southwest, North Mexico. We are, we are still the redheaded stepchild since the civil war. But, uh,
0: you know, maybe move up in Pennsylvania or, you know, move there and where my vote might actually make a difference. So
1: in <laughs> in Maryland it really doesn't matter. So, yeah. Well, tell but, us so, about your sons. I know that was like the big life changing event. So the oldest one has moved out the oldest one, the next one. Now the youngest one is still with you because he's going to school and baseball and so forth.
0: Yeah. TJ is 22. Uh He was going to community college. Um he, He was taking two or three classes a uh, a semester uh, to begin with. And that waned off to nothing just because he's not very good as a remote learner. Um, You know, he's better in a classroom setting. Uh, So when COVID happened, everything was remote and he, you know, he didn't want to go in, he didn't want to have to be forced to go in a classroom. um, And he didn't, you know, and he's not very good a remote learner. So he sort of took a break there. Uh, He's actually, for the last year, uh, plus had been working at a uh, local Jiffy Lube and really enjoys working with his hands and working on cars. So um, I think that uh, as he's down there, he, he just got hired by a Nissan dealership in in Charlottesville. And I think he wants to go back to school, uh, hopefully through the dealership uh, and, you know, get his degree for working on cars I, I, and I'm hundred percent for it. You know, I know you and I talked about this briefly where it's, it's recession proof and you can always earn some extra cash. So that's great.
1: I hope they're training him on how to fix the leaf because electric is definitely going to be the future and hybrid.
0: I'm not sure what he's been doing yet, Uh, and he starts on Monday, so I'm curious to find out how he likes it. Uh, I know he had this and another offer from like a Valvoline quick service place.
1: Dealership Uh, is always the way to go. Yeah, and that's dealership has better margins.
0: Yep, and he uh, plus he doesn't have to deal with the customers. He said he he, he wanted to not have deal with customers. So, so that's good for him, uh, Jack. Uh, my youngest is twenty; he's back at school. For anyone who doesn't know, he uh, both both boys played baseball. I coached them for a while. They both, you know, played uh, fairly competitively. Jack actually went uh, to the Matha High School, which I'm sure some people probably have heard of, uh, for their sports prowess uh, to play baseball specifically. And now he's at Herford Community College up in Bel Air, Maryland. Uh, they are a perennial top twenty baseball school, uh, in the junior college ranks. He played some last year. I can't remember what their record was last year. They, they reached their regional final and lost, uh, in the championship game. But he played, I think he pitched like nine games. He was only a pitcher last year, pitched nine games. I think his ERA was 368. Uh, so he's apparently well this year. He's, uh, he just went back up to school. He and four, three other baseball players are, uh, renting a townhome which uh, I think he is hoping is going to become the party central location for the team. He's like, I've never had my house, but my, my apartment be a, uh, a part, you know, a, a place where all the parties have to so hold. It happens this year. Cause at the house. Yeah. So he just moved up there and he's going to try to both hit this year and and pitch. And sorry, did now he actually didn't play baseball. So he just worked out. He is hoping, I know his uh, exit velocity uh, for a batted ball off of a, uh, off a wood bat reached, just under 102 miles an hour
1: uh what's this his pitching stuff? speed because i heard like to get anywhere even like triple a you got to be like mid to upper 90s just to qualify he's uh like 86
0: 87 88 right now but he hasn't he hasn't thrown a bullpen at all since the summer started so okay. he's just been you know kind of snapping necks and cashing checks trying to get strong bigger and stronger I know they have a bunch of uh, fall games this year, so I'm curious to see how that uh, how that turns out in practice. But he's, I mean, he's a big kid. He's 6'4", uh, 6'4", 255. Um, That's he's tall left- for a pitcher. Yeah. So he, and he's a big left handed hitter too. So hopefully that power comes in this year. And if he does, he he would really love to. He you know, he wants certainly wants to play at a four year school. I think his first choice would be Appalachian State. Um, you know, out in the mountains of Boone, Carolina, North Carolina, there it's beautiful, beautiful country. So we'll see, you know,
1: his future is still up,
0: uh, you know, a, a long way to go for him and, and hopefully
1: it's a successful year. So does, I know a little bit more about hockey. Can, can baseball teams call dibs on players while they're in school without violating their eligibility? Like in hockey, I know in hockey they can call dibs on players and juniors in college. And as long as they're not doing what are called part-time contracts or tryouts and so forth, they can keep mm-hmm. their eligibility in the NCAA.
0: How it works with baseball is you can be drafted out of high school, you can be drafted out of junior college, and you can be drafted out of a four-year school after three years, I think. But the the catch is they only retain your eligibility. So the draft is in, this year is in July, uh, around the All-Star break. They only retain your eligibility for like a month or two uh, and if you don't sign by then you're a free agent again wow Cause so because I, I would say
1: oh get the education first because education because a lot of people don't know like michael jordan got a hardship to go early and i think Dwayne wade and some other players have done that but but the media never covers that they went to school on the side and then got their degree because for all the teasing i make about michael jordan the guy has a degree in business and he knows what he's doing with his money in the long run or look at magic johnson all the investments he's done you know and and Wade did
0: go back to marquette and get his degree and i and i want to say that was a uh a condition of his number being retired i think
1: from so. uh marquette yeah oh well that's a good yep. thing yep
0: yeah so he, he did go back and get his degree Wade did yep
1: yeah i mean you know because sports are not forever right and you got and you got to put your money away and the money won't be forever along with marriages it's <laughs> like I, I can vouch for that so what do you do now we've forgotten about. Like, you work for the government these days, or sort of like the government. You've taken that writing skill and applied uh, helping the federal government understand complete sentences.
0: So once we moved out here, um, I got into, like I said, I was a media buyer, uh, which is basically purchasing ad space in newspapers, TVs, radio, you know, stuff like that. I've been an account executive, you know, kind of running different accounts and and coordinating all these different things. Uh, I've worked public relations. I've done advertising. I've done... You know all different sorts of uh, uh, of you know art production even you know laying out newsletters and stuff like that. What I realized uh, you know a couple of years ago is that I just love to write. And if I'm going to concentrate on one thing, is, as I get older, I really don't want to be a boss. I just want to sit back and be able to write and enjoy myself. Um, so these days, the last couple of years, I've been uh, a contractor for the uh, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs first working with their uh, privacy department, you know, helping uh, letting veterans and employees know that uh, their information is safe and secure. VA's had some problems with that in the past. Uh, and then for the last almost year, I've been working uh, basically for a Tiger team on quick uh, response slash crisis communications uh, directly under the head of the Veterans Health Administration. And anyone that's been awake and alive the last year can probably figure out I've been working on nothing but COVID. So that's uh, it's been very taxing. And I think, you know the the most difficult thing about my job right now is that because we are on the cutting you know everything with with COVID is cutting edge, all the communications are cutting edge. So things are changing all the time. So it's it's been very very. Uh, exacting in the last year to make sure that, you know, every little detail and period and and semicolon is in the right spot. But it's great. You know, it's, and I really, you know, other than uh, in addition to the writing, one thing I really realized is that I enjoy working as a government contractor. It's kind of the best of both worlds. You have sort of the government lifestyle without being confined to the government because, you, you know, you're just a consultant. And I've done this, you know, I've worked at the Pentagon. I worked at the Pentagon for a couple of years uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I worked for Border Patrol for about eight years. I, re- I remember that. And I worked on the, uh, my big project there was working on the Southwest, uh, Southwestern border fence, uh, 650 miles of border fence by Junior Bush and by, uh, and, and that ended in the Obama administration. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, but the thing I love about it is that I'm actually, I'm not just trying to make someone money. I'm actually trying to help people. You know, the, the whole border fence thing, and I know now that that's certainly a, a hot-button issue uh, and a political issue, know it was back at the time, but at the time, I thought it was a nice thing. You know, I, I'm sitting there trying to help, uh, you know, make sure that drugs don't come into this country, and I have two young kids at home, you know? Uh, you know, now, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, for the Veterans Administration now, my dad was a uh, ball gunner and a B-17 bomber, uh, World War II era, and at the end of his life so much, he went to the VA for so many uh, health benefits and things. So I love the fact that I'm able to write uh, and do what I like and I'm giving back to, you know, a really, really worthwhile set of folks who, you know, are heroes and and should be revered as such.
1: Okay. Well, I also know you're one of the best writers I ever went to school with. So when are you going to write that great American sports novel? I don't know
0: what I have to say yet, Steve. I keep on trying to think about it. I, I don't know what I have to say. I certainly think I could do it if I put my mind to it. But I, just, I, I don't know what voice, I, what, what I'd want to give voice to. I'm still trying to figure that out.
1: Well, keep, keep trying because I remember, remember that one assignment we had in uh, COPA 1 where you ripped on the visitation policy. I remember <laughs> your lead was so great and you wrote it so well. And I remember I think that at that level we only were taught by TAs. And I remember your TA, your TA must have been jealous because I think it was a woman. She wrote, look, buddy, you're not Bob Green. <laughs> my, my, my engineer is mouthing to me, Bob oh, Green. Bob Green is like an opinion columnist in the Chicago area, sort of like a—I don't know who would be national, be like like Andy Rooney. How about that? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Somebody who nationally complains about something, but I—I I think it's was it was one of the greatest insults I've ever seen from a teacher. Like,
0: yeah, he was, even for for Chicagoans, kind of a later day Irv Cups in it, you know, kind of thing.
1: Okay. That one, oh. that one goes over my head. Being from downstate,
0: <laughs> he was a funny dude. He was, he was not only a newspaper columnist, he was also a, uh, he was also a referee in the NFL.
1: Nice, back when they weren't paid.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. So he, he, he and old man House used to go at it all the time. <laughs> I wonder if
1: you got to hang out with that guy who's the brother of the Pointer Sisters. I remember there was a guy who was one of the officials. Oh. He was the brother, the only brother of the Pointer Sisters. Oh. Yeah. Huh. But that's so cool with your job and everything. So uh how how do you think we've evolved after being those pathetic eighteen year old boys trying to meet girls? <laughs> I, I I guess that begs the question,
0: have we evolved? You know? <laughs> sometimes I think so, sometimes I don't, you know? Well, I, think, um, I think
1: weight gain is evolution. So. <laughs> uh
0: one of my favorite podcasts other than yours. Yeah. Uh, is uh something called the I'm Fat Podcast. Yeah. Uh run by two guys who do sports radio in Chicago. And it's it's all about food and stuff like that. And as they always say, round is a shape. So <laughs> round is a shape. Yes. That's um true. You know, I think I don't think that our I think our ideals are still the same for the most part. You know, I look at you and I think you know you're still very much the same. You know, beliefs and everything that 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 you know drew me to you uh, as friend. You know, uh, and I think that we're both pretty much the same person in those ways. Certainly, I think we've gotten older and matured some. God, I know I'm I know I'm physically slowing down, although I'm trying that. I'm trying to get in better shape.
1: Me too. I'm glad you quit smoking. I'm glad you you did that. I'm so relieved yeah. about
0: that. I've actually dropped
1: uh about thirty pounds since uh, last Christmas let me tell you I found them <laughs> they're on me because uh, I don't want them. my current girlfriend you'd you think a nurse would cook well or cook healthily no we're starches <laughs> i mean vegetables are an alien concept in this household got it <laughs> when when she moves in we're doing more salad
0: you see it's it, we, we've actually uh we've gotten so health conscious here and actually helps with Jack. Uh, when he's home, too, because he really wants to make sure he's eating well.
1: Right, being Um, an athlete.
0: Yeah, so it's like, you know, I used to have chocolate milk at night. Now I drink, like, this carb, you know, this extra protein, you know, low-carb stuff, and, you know, we're making, you know, uh, although I did make pigs in a blanket yesterday in the air fryer, I've also made chicken in the air fryer, you know, so and not chicken fingers, uh, you know, not chicken tenders, not chicken nuggets, but actual, you know, chicken, chicken. Chicken, chicken. So yeah, it's we're certainly like I said, you, uh, Helen might have a different uh, take on it that I've matured, you know. But that's probably for a different podcast.
1: <laughs> we'll see. I I think I think the one the one thing I want to make clear with you, I think we've been friends, and we hit it off right away, and kind of shied away from John, and I think John is involved too. I think what drew us together, despite being from different regions, is that we both had very strong moral compasses. I think that's been the one thing that we've always been true to. And even in areas where you disagreed, like abortion and all that, we're, we're both people of strong moral compasses. And I think that's one reason why a lot of people like both of us.
0: I think so. And it's funny you mentioned about uh, Rossman. Um, actually, I was supposed to get together with him a few weeks ago. Uh, we ended up canceling it because of the COVID stuff, but I've seen him a few times in the last couple of years and he's, he's doing well.
1: That's good to hear. So and uh, I want to close up, and then I'm going to ask you for a request. And then we'll have an, we'll an off-the-show request of sure. your Kermit thing that's legendary. Uh, I want to clear the air. Uh, I had a fight with your wife a few months ago about your Chicago fandom. And I want to make it clear. I love you to death, dude. And I've never thought lesser of you or anything for your dedication to Chicago. I, In many ways, I feel the positive jealousy known as Medita to have that dedication. And even though my Luftwaffe joke was the best, I think the greatest, uh, it was not meant as in like you suck or whatever. I just thought, you know, what better? I'm sorry that your team lined up the circumstances with that. It would have have worked for any team. And um, you're going to laugh even harder. So when I made that joke, when I was in a bar in Dallas with Jose, do you know what his Mm. response was? Mm. What's the Luftwaffe? (laughs) (laughs) I said... I said, they do teach World War II in Puerto Rico, right? He says, well, yeah. I said, spoiler alert, we won. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe, like, where have you been? You've never heard of the Luftwaffe. Okay, have you heard of Nazis? You heard of this guy called Hitler with his really bad mustache? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Jokes are jokes are wasted on I've him. i
0: never had with him. Only, only philosophy of God. So I can only bring philosophy of God.
1: And he fell asleep in that. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> How does he do that? I can never zonk out in class.
0: Dude, can could I, could I borrow your notes, dude?
1: <laughs> he doesn't say dude that much anymore. It's it's a bummer.
0: Now, the funny thing is, Ellen and I would sit next to him. He would actually snore. He would actually snore in class.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, he's lost a lot of weight, so his snoring is not that bad. Because I remember sharing a hotel room with him for Nelson's wedding, and like I got no sleep. I was like... <sighs> but... So I want to make sure that when I make a dig or a joke, it's not against you. It's not you personally. It's just part of the rivalry and just the silliness. And unlike you, I'm not that invested in the Packers. My only investment in the Packers is that, as I argue with the people, especially in the South here, you know, because Red Dawn is a documentary in Texas. It's not a movie. <laughs> um, and they just have this irrational fear of communism. But then when I tell them socialism works, have you ever heard of a credit union? You ever heard of the green Bay Packers? Socialism works.
0: Well, oh, don't ask Aaron
1: Rodgers right now. Well, no, he's he, I mean, <laughs> fo- football doesn't work with a little without a little capitalism. <laughs> you know, the, the dearest people forget the difference between socialism and capitalism is socialism is like, we're going to exploit you. It's just going to hurt less. Yeah, You know, for the audience at home, I would like you to give us a, a little verse of the uh, laundry song we made up to teach Rossman how to watch clothes. Remember? Oh, oh, my goodness. Was, yeah, uh, set to the hit by the police.
0: Rossman, you don't have to put in the wool light.
1: Rossman, you don't have to clean your shoes tonight. And then I had another one. Those days are over. You don't have to separate your colors from the whites, Rossman. Yeah, <laughs> if we had more, we could have been on Doctor Tomato.
0: And that was, and that was, uh, that was actually, I think John Schneider uh, Schneider started that. I, did, I think I heard. Did Rossman tell me he's he passed away? I can't. Remember. I think I heard that somewhere. Who? John Schneider. John Schneider. Schneider. Who yeah. lived with uh, Pat? Augie. No, 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 no. He wore clogs. Uh, he wore clogs all the time. He was from La Crosse, Wisconsin. The kid? Yeah. He did? I believe so. Yeah, I think, I think Rossman told me that. That's a shame. I mean, I... I've and been... Rossman is still in... Uh, he's still in contact with uh, Henning. Oh, well, how's Henning doing? Uh, I think he's doing really well. I think he, he's off the drugs. He has, like, a life partner uh they're not married or anything a a woman you know whatever i think he's playing in some band or something like that
1: i think he's playing a lot of guitar well that's good to hear what about bender we
0: haven't talked to him in forever we'll go back and forth on facebook every now and again birthday's coming up so i'm sure i will yeah the last time i actually spoke with him was when the blues won the uh, stanley cup i was actually kind enough to call and, and congratulate him You know, and and throwing
1: a few insults on top of it, of course, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be hockey if you didn't. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know what he's doing right now. I don't know what else he's doing. And then Slats, I know, divorced. I think is he remarried? I don't know if he is or not.
0: I've lost track of Slats. I still hear from Jody every now and again, but I've lost track of Slats.
1: And then Augie and then. And then, married. of course, the most famous or, friend we have, Mark Schauer, is married or st- might not be still married to the actress, um, Laura, Le- Laura Linney.
0: Yeah. yeah, No, they're still married. And I'll st- he'll, he'll still text me, and I'll message him every now and again about uh, baseball or football, you okay. know, when the Bears are on or if the Cubs are playing. Uh, so I'll still hear from him every now and again. They have a young son uh, who's... Was he in kindergarten or later maybe now? He might be a little bit older than that. So yeah, it sounds like they're doing well. Uh, and he's happy, both of them. So that's good.
1: Well, great. That's good to know that most of us from Marquette are still alive and well. Yeah, Since yeah. The, a couple people in my circles of broadcasting. One, uh, if you remember John Bryson, he passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, geez. Yeah, but he still wrote a book before he passed away about being a stay-at-home huh. dad. And then that heavy guy who claimed to be an actor actor Robert Kempy. He passed away from cancer. Oh, I thought you'd say Rob uh, Peter Holland the turd. <laughs> Tell the audience at home, where can you see Peter Holland the turd still to this day? He's uh, immortalized.
0: Where? Where I,
1: I, I'm... Oh, is he's at the end of Ferris Bueller. If you remember, I thought you knew. He's at the end of the Ferris Bueller movie at the back of the bus when Jeffrey Jones the principal is getting up and everything and you could see him because he had that stupid hat he always wore at Marquette (laughs) All right. I want to thank you for everything Paul it's been a real treat and I'm so glad Uh, I want to make sure you clear the air and that uh, hopefully this will clear the air for Helen to be my guest and how I ruined your lives 35 years ago in December well you know the one thing you know here's
0: one thing and and I know this is a podcast about you and me and, and Marquette but you know, one thing that you hadn't talked about, or maybe you'd, you'd forgotten is you're the one that actually got us together.
1: Right. That's what I was joking about. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah, for the, for the whole screw your roommate thing. Um, right. Cause you wanted
1: to get together, but you know, when we were 18, you, you know, you're always afraid right. of rejection and this and that. And there's all that bullshit going on that now in my fifties, I mean, I have a great girlfriend and everything now, but after I got my divorce, I'm like, I'm not afraid of anything. It's not like we were we were going to old Padgett's and you like ask a girl to dance, she says, no, it's like everybody in the dance floor sees it, you know, yeah. it's in slow motion. The DJ's like, here's, this one's going out for the loser. <laughs> now it's, now it's like, you know, Ooh, ow, Oh, my, my feelings are so hurt. Well, you know, that's uh, one down three and a half billion to go. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, I, I, I think a lifetime of you know rejection in, in every form of life that everyone goes through kind of teaches you that, you know? Right. And Oh, gee. I've gotten rejected so many damn times, you know, for, for jobs or, you know, for just asking your friend for something or whatever,
1: Eh, eh, what the hell doesn't bother you (laughs) anymore. Yeah. You get used to it or to turn it back around to Chicago who got cut from the varsity team in high school, Michael Jordan. Yep. And a lot of people thought he was a jerk for inviting the guy who beat him out to his ceremony. And it's like, I don't think he was being a jerk about it. I think it was like, you know, Hey, no hard feelings. yeah. Yeah. All right, Paul, thanks for everything. And I appreciate it. Yeah. And then we'll we'll end this part and then we'll do a quick promo of you uh, as what I want as a joke. And uh, thanks for everything. And let's, uh, let's hear it for the next 35 years. Let's hope so much. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye bye.